Welcome to the Species Hall of Fame. I'm Quentin Wheeler. Species discoveries are rarely noticed in our culture. How many of the nearly 20,000 species discovered last year did you hear about? I rest my case. This is why taxonomists should engage in shameless self-promotion, including naming species after famous people. Celebrity names are simply irresistible bait to reporters. A recent example is the little millipede, Nanaria swifty, named for, you guessed it, the performing artist Taylor Swift. It has had a fantastic run in the popular press, from NPR to the New York Post and Rolling Stone. And now, I'm piling on too. The ending of the specific epithet, A-E, is used in zoological nomenclature to indicate a patronym honoring a woman. Under the category of unintended consequences, I wonder if people, a couple hundred years from now, when other artists dominate the charts, will find humor in its pronunciation. Irony that one of these gentle, slow-moving creatures has a name that, when said out loud, becomes the oxymoron Swifty. The genus Nanaria includes small millipedes about 15 to 38 millimeters long, found in eastern North America, with the greatest concentration of species in the Appalachian Mountains. As an aside, I grew up hearing Appalachia as the pronunciation for this mountainous region. With little thought, actually no thought, for years I parroted the pronunciation like the Yankee I am. Those born to the region say Appalachia, and history and etymology are on their side. The name originated with the same 16th century Spanish explorers who named the Apalachicola River and the Appalachian people in Florida. So there is every reason to believe they too would have said Appalachia. When I'm consciously aware of my words, I try to say Appalachian Mountains out of a nod to history and respect for those who call them home. These little millipedes are brown to black in color with a bimaculate pattern of orangish, reddish, or white spots or stripes. Their diminutive size and burrowing habits make them more challenging to find than many other millipedes. Still, more than 60 species have been discovered in Nanaria and the related genus Enomia. Raking leaf litter and digging at and below the litter-soil interface in deciduous forests to find these millipedes, Derek Hennan and colleagues collected several hundred specimens that, combined with museum material, became part of a study set of more than 1,800 specimens that yielded 17 species new to science. Shortly after I arrived at Cornell early in my career, I received an unexpected late-night telephone call. An unfamiliar voice blurted out, do you believe all characters are adaptive? The caller turned out to be Will Provine, the prominent historian of science and scholar of population genetics. His thesis was that your answer depended on the lab you worked in as a doctoral student. My answer was, no, of course not. But at the time, there were many evolutionary taxonomists who believed in pan-adaptation. Stated another way, they saw two categories of characters of species those for which the adaptive significance is known, and those for which an adaptive advantage is yet to be figured out. Novel attributes of species are sometimes just there by chance. Some groups, like Nanaria millipedes, appear to be prime examples of non-adaptive radiation. Populations became geographically isolated, diverged over time to attain full species status, with no new adaptations playing a driving role. Their numbers and distributions are lingering evidence of the complex physiographic history of the region. Nanaria swifty 
is known from three counties in Tennessee at elevations from about 480 to 1500 meters. With few exceptions, data shows that this and related species are found in mesic deciduous forests and rhododendron coves in the Appalachians. It is a virtual certainty that more species await discovery in poorly collected areas of Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, and West Virginia, but their survival is uncertain. A woolly adelgid pest introduced to the United States has been devastating to hemlock, killing more than 90% of trees in infested stands. When this happens, formerly shady, cool, moist microhabitats are replaced by drier conditions unfavorable to these millipedes. A condition called rhododendron dieback is of concern to rhododendron maximum that occurs widely in the Appalachians. Were these threats not enough, a fungus pathogen specific to millipedes is known to infect Nanaria species too. In spite of limited knowledge of their natural history, their limited geographic ranges indicate that there is a short path between habitat destruction and extinction. Beyond invasive species and disease, land development may be destroying species before they have even been discovered. Who cares if we lose a few millipedes so small and secretive that no one has even seen one until now? Well, I care, and you should too. Nanaria have important things to teach us about their biology and evolution, if we're curious enough to listen. As one example, many species in their family, Zystodesmidae, have aposematic mimicry, using bright colors, yellows, oranges, and reds on black, to advertise toxic chemical defenses of hydrogen cyanide and benzaldehyde. Nanaria is an exception, however. It has the biochemistry, but does not seem to use it as a primary form of defense. Just why is yet to be worked out. As the biodiversity crisis worsens, we will increasingly find ourselves in the uncomfortable position of deciding which species live or die, whether to destroy a habitat to meet our own needs or cede it to the species who live there so that they may continue to meet theirs. We cannot save all species, of course, but we can reduce the number lost if we choose to do so, and we can honor all species by preserving evidence that they exist or existed in the form of specimens in museums and recorded observations. This allows us to open the world's species for continued study, whether they are living or extinct. When we don't know species, when they are mere statistics, it's easy to accept their demise. But looking a species in the face, calling it by name, makes such callous indifference to their fate difficult. It's obvious that permitting large numbers of species to go extinct threatens the integrity and stability of ecosystems and creates irreparable gaps in our knowledge of evolutionary history. But there is a risk to who we are as well. With each species we knowingly permit to disappear without so much as bothering to discover what makes it unique, we lose a little piece of our humanity. With millions of species in danger of extinction, we must ask how much of ourselves we're willing to sacrifice. If you find yourself feeling philosophical, contemplating the ethics of our relationship to biodiversity, and whether it's worth taking steps to assure that a small, obscure animal like Nanaria swifty survives, I recommend that you look for the answer in a most unlikely place. The lyrics of Taylor Swift's Stay, Stay, Stay. As she sang in the song, I think it's best if we both stay. This is Quentin Wheeler for the Species Hall of Fame.